Welcome back, parents. Today, we're tackling a topic that often leaves parents feeling frustrated and helpless, communicating with their teens. Did you know that according to a recent survey, 78% of parents report feeling like they're constantly struggling to communicate effectively with their teenagers? And it's no wonder. Teenagers are going through a period of immense physical and emotional change, and they're trying to figure out who they are and where they fit in in the world. And this can make it difficult for them to open up to their parents, even about things that are important to them. So how can we as parents encourage open and honest communication with our teens? Well, today we're joined by Ruth Klein, author of Conscious Connection and founder of the nonprofit Universal Mom, to discuss strategies for overcoming communication breakdowns with their teens. Ruth, welcome to the show. Hello there, Dr. Cam. So happy to be here. It's good to see you again. <laughs> I know. You, I know. Can you start by sharing just a quick little backstory about you and what inspired you to start working and helping parents and teens improve their relationships? Okay, awesome. So <clears throat> what I do um, when I work with adults, there's so much that has to do at the bottom line with self-esteem and self-confidence. And I don't care how successful, how gorgeous, how everything, everyone has a piece of self-esteem or self-confidence that can be, that muscle can be built up. Mm-hmm. And some have more than others. And the ones, the, the adults that struggle the most, um, I found, are the ones that um, have very little self-esteem or self-confidence. Very little. And so mm-hmm. where does that come from? And, um, and so I thought, you know, where we need to start is with children. That's where we need to start. And so, gosh, probably 30 years ago, I started a, um, a nonprofit called the Self-Esteem Council. And mm. we went into high schools. We identified teens, sophomore girls. That's who we started with. And then we went with sophomore boys, and then we went with um, juniors. And it was an unbelievably Ooh. successful um project. We were with these teens, Dr. Cam, for less than 10 hours and five months. And they, 90%, if not more, turned around. In other words, what does that mean? Their truancy almost ended completely. They had a far better relationship with their mother. That was usually the um, parent that was in the household. They even started to get active as juniors on campus events and the best part is up until then they had not college was not on their radar and we opened up that possibility we opened up many possibilities and many were um filling out applications as juniors to go to college i mean it was it was incredible and what was it what was, if i had to say Two things. I was going to say, we're on the edge of our seats. What did you do differently? If I had to say, there are two things. So many times, uh, teens get brushed off by adults and parents. Mm -hmm. We don't mean to, but they'll say something and we might not think, oh gosh, here we go again. Or they might complain. That complaining, they're talking to us. They're communicating with us in a language that we simply don't understand. So we take it as, oh, they're just talking. Yeah, let them complain. Let them, yeah, get it. Let them be in the mood. There's a reason they're in a mood. They're communicating to us. We're not understanding their 
their talk, their speak, their communication. And so I thought, you know what? I raised three gorgeous children, knock on wood, um, with, positive, with positive reinforcement. Mm. And my degrees are in clinical psychology and then spiritual psychology. And, you know, when you think about it, just stop and think for a moment, parents. Do you, do you feel uplifted when someone says something kind to you? And do you feel do you feel dampened, kind of a emotionally heart dampened when someone criticizes you or doesn't support you or you don't feel listened to? And so we did all of that. We were eyeball to eyeball with these kids. And we started with 10 girls and five, 10 teen, uh, 15 year old teens with five mentors. And we mm. mentors did not talk amongst ourselves. We were present. We were present and positive reinforcement. And that was, that was the ticket. That was the ticket. So Ruth, what is the first thing parents need to do to start creating an environment where kids feel heard and feel comfortable sharing with us? Because a lot of times they do not share yeah. even when we try to have a conversation with right, them. Right, right. Well, let, think back. Think, you know, as an adult, when is it and why is it we don't share with our spouse or we don't share with a parent or we don't share, but we share with our friends, but not all our friends. So we, we share with people that we think will not judge us. Mm. Bottom line. Yeah. And and it and this needs to start, you know, this is why I started Universal Mom. The um the self-esteem council ran 22 years and we had the same board. I love these women. I love these women. And um we were together for 22 years. Then that had to end because we didn't have mentors anymore. All the mentors were so busy. It was all volunteer. And so I started Universal Mom and to to to, you know, I call it healthy steroids. It, this one's on healthy steroids. This is even more impactful. And, um, and so it needs to start young. It needs to start young. But let's say that we didn't start young. Let's say that we have a 15-year-old that's not communicating or a 17-year-old that's not communicating. There is a reason they're not communicating, not because they're not good kids, not because they don't want or need your help. They think they don't need your help. But more times than not, they're not communicating because they've communicated along the way and they were criticized. They were judged. So, oh, stop talking like that. You're young. Don't even. Oh, you're you're so pretty. I don't understand. And now we have now we have outside um, an outside environment that we didn't have ten years ago, twenty years ago, and it's called social media. Hmm. And um, and so now teens not only get or feel, feel judged by parents, they're now feeling judged by their peers. This is deathly. Because <clears throat> up until now, we found a friend we could talk to and who would listen to us and would not judge us. And why do we, why do we join groups? 
I look at, I don't care what group, the positive, the negative, and the ugly groups. Why do we join them? Because we feel part of it. We feel accepted. And so you have an external. So it, it requires communication up the wazoo now because of social media. And that got to start early. And I I think what's hard for parents, because I talk to a lot of parents that feel very confidently, well, as confidently as they can feel, that they are listening and they're not judging their kids, but their kids tell me quite the opposite. My parents don't listen to me. My parents judge. I don't talk to them or share anything because I already know that they're going to discredit it or they're they're not going to believe me or they're going to think it's silly. And so I talk to my friends or I hide in my room. So give us a tangible, actionable thing that we can do to show our kids that we are listening and that we are are not judging. Even if we are judging internally because sometimes we're like, that's silly. But we can't, how do we do that without conveying that and giving them that comfort? That's a great, great question. I'm going to give you a specific, real example. Good. So I was working with a teen, a female, and really bright, really beautiful, athletic, smart. And she just would not communicate with Mm -hmm. her parents because they didn't understand. And uh, they criticized her. And this had been going on for, for many years. And it peaked. The parents, the parents noticed it when she was a teen. They didn't notice it before. But she was feeling that. And so we chatted. And I, I heard what she said about, you know, the parents not listening. And they'll judge me or they'll get upset with me. And so I basically said, what if... What if you gave your, your mom, particularly the mom, a chance? Oh, no, I've done it too many times. I'm not going to do it. You know what? And then I gave her some examples of how she's made changes in her life that worked well. Because it's hard for us to see something that we can't tangibly touch or see. But right. we go back and look at what worked in the past, how we got through something, how we were able to make changes, then at least you're open. And so she was open. But I also, see it, here's the deal. I also had to talk to the mom. 100%. Yes. And the mom was, she has, you know, four children and she's used to talking a certain way, kind of loud. And this particular child Just this teen didn't respond. The others seemingly did, but not this one. She had more of a sensitive child. And so she couldn't believe that she was contributing in any way. And I get it. I get it. And she, you know, the, the parents did the best they could and they were doing a good job. But every child is different. How you handle, you know, my three children... How I spoke to two of them, I couldn't, how I spoke to one of them, I couldn't speak to the other two. Um, And you, you, you know, the parents, we've got to, we've got to see their faces. We cannot talk to them and do this and go, yeah, Mm -hmm. no, no, I'm listening. I hear you. Because would you like that? I don't like that. 
I don't like. We don't that. like it when our teens do it to us. We don't like it when our teens do it to us. I don't like it when our, my friends do it to us. Yeah. I'm not friends with someone anymore because I asked her nicely. You know, yeah. um, it's because whenever she would talk, she put it away, and whenever I spoke, she goes, "No, no, I'm listening," and I stopped yeah. speaking, and she goes, "No, no, no, I'm listening." And so I asked her politely, and she didn't. And so we're no longer friends. I don't need a friend like that. And yeah. that's how the that's how the teens are feeling. I don't need that. I don't. And they don't have a that. choice. They don't have a <laughs> they don't, choice. They can right. walk. Yeah. So what they do is they retract, just as yes. I did. I retract, yeah. and I had a choice to cut bonds. But here's the deal: the teen cuts bonds. Yes. They absolutely. cut bonds. They just don't. They don't walk away, but they do walk away. And so, um, the the best the best advice I would share um, to start is find something your teen loves to do, whether you like to do it or not. I don't care, your mom and dad, and do it with them, and put the phone away, turn it off, put it away, and do this. They're going to be they're going to be dumbfounded. Now you can't do it just once because they're going to think you had a stroke. So and actually, the first time they're suspicious. Absolutely, <laughs> and the second time, as well, yeah. and the third time. But when it becomes consistent, yeah. then there's a now parents you have an opening, you have an opening, and that's all you need. And now, now that you have an opening, you understand what's important to the child. Put away the phone. Be yeah. present. Give them your attention and do this. I think the big, take, the big takeaway right there, Ruth, is our teens are not pulling away from us because they want to pull away from us. It's not about them. They're pulling away from us because we are not creating a safe space for them to uh, come to us. That's exactly that's right. That's the only that's, reason that's why they're right. doing That's it. exactly right. And we, we, you know, we as children, teens, and adults, we do what we feel we need to do to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And the teens are doing what they feel is safe. And then they talk to their other friends who are in the same position. And they're doing the same thing. So that it's it's a it's about having that opening, having that opening mm -hmm. with your child, and and I believe the number one way is to be present, eyeball to eyeball, and keep your mouth quiet. Let them talk. Yeah, you know it's you know when we're in the doctor's office and they take that tool and they do our knee and we do whoop, with our knee. It's just it just uh, that's what parents do. We just boom. We can't boom if yeah. we, you know, we just can't boom. You can't yeah. boom with, with your spouse either. No booming. No booming allowed. <laughs> and, and, and seriously, it's about reconnecting. Mm. That's why my book is called Conscious Connection. Being present and connecting. Yeah. I mean, parents, think of the, of the disconnect during 2020. How, how you felt disconnected from friends and events and family and the feeling, the feeling that you have. Well, your children, your teens are having that disconnected feeling. It's not good. 
It's not mm-hmm. healthy. It's not, you don't want it. They don't want it. So you've got it. And here's the deal. The responsibility, I mean, I'll say it out flat, is with the parents. Yeah. The responsibility starts with the parents. And the children will be suspicious, as you perfectly said, Dr. Cam. But you have to stay with it. If it's important yeah. enough, you stay with it. You know, um, on your summit, I shared... Uh, this starts real this started really early. Um, and I remember my daughter who I was waiting for the terrible twos and they never came. She was just like, I deal at two, I deal at three, and then four hit. Boom! That was I didn't even know who this child was. <laughs> and so um every about every other day she would act out. Hmm. And then what would she what would I do? She'd get my attention. And I thought, wait a minute. Now, this is an important piece, parents, because children will act out negatively just to get attention. Mm -hmm. So let's turn that around. And that's what we did for 22 years at the Self-Esteem Council, Dr. Cam. We were positive reinforcement. If the girls were chick-chick-chick-chick-chatting and and we wouldn't go, Dr. Cam, uh, Cam, are you, are you listening to me? They're used to that. They got the attention, but what if we turned it on its head and go, Cam, I'd love to know what you think. No, no inflection, no attitude. Uh, um, and you would say, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What were you saying? No inflection. Well, we were talking about, what do you think? And, and I had one of the students who wasn't listening. There were five sessions uh, for the, this mentorship. The third session, she came up to me afterwards because the first two, she, blah, 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 blah. the first two, she came up to me and said, Mrs. Klein, that was such a great class. I can't wait for next month. I love Be- it. Because she got positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. She's used to the negative. Yeah. Kids are used to, teen, by the time they're teens, they're really used to it. So let's flip it on its, on its head. And so I thought, okay, what would my daughter like? And I love tea parties, and she was very feminine. I said, now, would you like to have a tea party with Mommy? <gasps> yes. And so the first time we went to a little coffee place, and we had her, we had little teas, and I brought teacups and saucers, and I was lips quiet and looking at her. And it worked with the boys as well, to the point where the middle boy said, Mom, I want to have a tea party. <laughs> and what and it became mm-hmm, it became code, Doctor Cam. I want your time. I want to talk to you. And the the little one doesn't like tea at all. And then they were all athletic. But with the little one, we played football in the house. And what that meant is we just took the football and just threw it back and forth, and he would go, yeah, like that. And um, and to this day, we're we're very close. Um, and they asked me for parenting advice, which is an honor. Amazing. Which is, yeah, that's huge. Which is an honor. I, I think one thing I want to bring up too, because I've seen this happen a lot of times, where parents feel like if they interact with their kids in a positive way, like I had one parent that said, you know, I was thinking of going and getting a manicure with my daughter, but we've been struggling because she's not doing her homework. And so I don't want to take her and, and show, because that will look like I'm 
okay with the fact that she's not doing homework. And I said, how do the two even compare? How, how do they even relate to one another? I said, because she's struggling with her homework, that's even all the more reason to go for a manicure and connect with her. And I think we've got this, this misconception that giving them positive attention is reinforcing negative behavior. And I'd love you to clear that up because yeah. I see this over and over again. So uh, the best, <laughs> this is going to sound a little strange, but the best example I can give, and then I'll give another one, is did you know that pigeons can play ping pong? Yeah. Pigeons can play ping pong if you, if you use positive reinforcement. So let's say that the, the table, they're supposed to go like this. And the moment they have their beak, just even in the right direction, they're not even there yet, they get a pellet, positive mm. reinforcement. And so what are they going to do? They're going to do more of that. And then, and then they mistakenly go a little further to the right direction and they get another pellet. It's all reinforcement. Yeah. Learning is reinforcement, either positive or negative. So if you want to take learning in a, um, and craft the communication in a positive way, your teen will be more open to listening to you. And to take something that they're struggling with, as you said so beautifully, Dr. Cam, that's the ideal time to have, to have this one-on-one -on -one special time with them on a consistent basis, not a one-time deal, because eventually you'll find out why they're having such a hard time with their yes. homework, and that's what you want. They're, they're not going to come out and go, well, why, why are you having problems with your homework? They don't even know. At the, the, they don't even know. Mm -hmm. And so it gives them an, an opportunity to, to connect with you at a heart level and think about your friends. Think about people that you connect on a heart level. You feel so close to them. You want to tell them what's not working and what is working. And it's the same thing with the teen because they really, as Dr. Cam said beautifully, they want to connect with you, but they don't know how. So you've got to be, you've got to be the leader here. You've got to be the leader in opening up that little communication door. That's all you need to start. That's all you need. Now, Ruth, let's say we're in the middle of a conflict right now. And it is. And I, it, one of the things I see a lot of is with homework. You know, we're, we're, our kids used to do well. Their grades aren't doing well. We're arguing and fighting with them and daily to get their homework done. Why can't they just do it? And so we're now in this cycle and I, we get stuck in a cycle where the second the kids come home, we're on them and they're on them. And now we're just in this negative, everyone immediately when we see each other, we're already like ready to fight. How do we respectfully and effectively break free from this negative cycle without saying, oh, it's okay that you're not doing your homework. And I think that's what we're afraid of. How do we start building that relationship when there's something we are feel urgently that we need to address? Okay. So another phenomenal question based on real life experience. Um, <laughs> a lot of them, yes. <laughs> I love it. So I'm going to tell you a story. My parents 
um, were, came from Europe. And they came from large families. And my dad's mom wanted all the kids to make their beds before they went to school. But they didn't. Not all of them. And what she did was, which I love, she looked to see if they made their bed. And if they didn't, she shut the door. And that was it because it was their room. It was their room. Mm -hmm. And I did that with my kids too. Oh, my God. It was messy. I would say once in a while, you know, got to clean your room. And that went in one ear and out the other. But, but here's the thing. You have to choose your battles. You have to choose your battles. Everything cannot be a battle. And that's how the children feel. It's a battle. Mm-hmm. And so and that's how you feel. And so can you imagine the energy that's going there? You. Not mm-hmm. not positive. And so I I shut the door. And that was it. And if they wanted to live in that, that's fine. Well, also with homework, I told my kids, and this is what I tell and this is what I tell my clients' parents. Let them bomb. Yep. It's let them bomb. I told my kids that their dad and I got an excellent, excellent public school education. And that was our job, to learn. And I told my kids, it was was like, oh, my God, when I said this, I go, I don't care what grade you get, which I really did. I don't care what grade you you get, but I do want you to learn. That's all I care about. Mm -hmm. And you're responsible to do your homework. I'm not going to stay on it. And if you leave your homework at home, please do not have the office call me because I will not take it to school. That is your responsibility. Your job, your job is to get an education. That's your job. So that you can, you know, uh, follow your dreams, be the, the, the... person you know whatever you say but you've got to you've got to instill that in a way that you know it's your life if you want to screw it up and ruin it because you're not doing your homework fine no no thank you because there's a rebellious streak you know I think I think emotionally and physiologically God gave teens a rebellious streak and I they think have to, or they'd never leave the house. Exactly. <laughs> and and that rebellious streak goes mm-hmm. when a when a teen feels what I just said. And mm-hmm. we feel the same way when someone treats us and says things like that. Exactly. It's not like just the teen. They're human. I'm always amazed that people expect teens to respond differently than every other human being on the planet and get mad when they don't. Exactly. Like, no human being responds well to that, be- to exactly. that treatment. Exactly. Nobody. But here's the deal, Dr. Cam. Where do you learn communication skills? Where do you learn healthy communication skills? Yeah. Not in school, certainly not on social media. Where do you learn it? And so... Again, going back to responsibility, parents, it's your responsibility to learn communication skills. It's your responsibility to, to learn positive parenting skills that, that work with your child. You know, um, I mentioned I have three children, and when they were ready to go to school, I had them in three different schools. Because depending on their temperament, each child is different. Thank goodness it was only the preschools that were different. And then finally they all got to go to the same. They did did go to a private school. 
Um, and and here's the thing: a lot of parents will say, "Well, they can't. We can't afford. We can't afford to have our students do bad in school because if they then they won't get into the best schools, and then their grades won't be." You know what? That's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to communicate. Your responsibility, parents, is to open up that, that avenue so your children can talk to you. Your responsibility is to learn communication skills. Your responsibility is to see your teens as loving human beings that want to connect with you but feel scared, feel yeah. criticized, feel lesser than in your eyes, not because you meant to do that, but it's just an emotional, physiological <laughs> teen thing. But it's not a teen thing. It's a human thing. Human. It's a yeah. human thing. I think with the school, one of the things I see, because I know a lot of parents, um, we do, they, they, they get a lot of anxiety, especially when like junior year comes. There's this, there's big message that goes around now. If you mess up junior year, your whole life basically is now ruined, right? And so we get on them. And what I have found, and when I talk to teenagers and I say, they're like, oh my God, I'm so stressed with this and I can't focus and it's really hard to get motivated. And I said, well, what is, why is it important for you to do well? And they go, because I'll get in trouble or because my parents tell me that if I don't, I'm messing up my life. And I go, well, that's not very long-term motivational for you, is it? And they're like, no. When parents kind of step back and give their kids the chance, and it takes time sometimes to find what they love, what motivates them, what they're passionate about, and they have that internal motivation, and then they go, what do I need to do to achieve that today? It's a whole different picture. And I mean, I see this with my daughter who has struggled in school her whole life. She's probably, it's her junior year and she is probably the most focused she has ever been her entire life. Not because it's junior year, but because she has clarity and a passion for where she wants to go next. And she's like, I know what I need to do and I've got a sticker of the school I want to go to because I want to go there. Not me. I'm not pointing. She wants to go there. And so it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with her, and she's got that drive, and she feels the motivation. She also feels that like great sense of accomplishment yes, yes. when she does well, and that's the reward a lot of kids don't get when parents own their schoolwork. Yes, exactly, exactly. And here's the thing. You know, it's not too late that if, the, if your teen starts high school or whatever, um, start communicating with them with real life situations that you're experiencing and let them know that, you know, this is the situation that I can go this way or that way. Um, but I do need to make a choice. Get them involved. What, what's your take on it? They're going to, I mean, they're going to pee in their pants. They're not going to believe that you're bringing them into the whole conversation. And, um, and they're going to go, what? You're asking me? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're resourceful here. You're smart here. Um, you've got great ideas here. And they're just going to be surprised. They may not answer it first. I don't know. They might do that. But you just keep at it. And, and you say, well, you know, here are my options. So I could do that. You need to show your teen how to make decisions. And then also, well, you know what? 
I could do, I mean, you know, resourcefulness is really important. I'm talking to my teen. Resourcefulness, they're having resourcefulness, is really important. So I, what I could do is boom, 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 but what do you think about that? Now, maybe they're in the conversation now, maybe they're not, but that's okay because they're listening and you're not yeah. having your phone and you're not, you know, someplace that, that you're not doing eyeball to eyeball and you're not present. And eventually you keep doing that and you bring them into how you break down situations, how you create the resourcefulness to make the decisions. And then why? Because those decisions will lead to X, Y, Z. And then when you have that opening and you're consistent, you, you know, you can say, I know that you love athletics. Have you ever thought about doing that in college? I don't know. I can understand that. What, what do you love to do? And just, yeah. and they might not answer at first, but you've got to find out what they love to do. Um, and then and it may change. And it may change. It may change month to month, year to year. Yeah. Um, and, and it's the thing where parents cannot be attached to a child saying, I want to be a pediatric nurse or I want to go to Yale. Or the, the parent that's not the parent's deal. That's not sorry, yeah. it's not. It's the it's yeah. the it's your child's, it's your teens. Now, you can be there, you can listen. You can offer ideas. Certainly, you'll need to be there for the finances. But again, I wouldn't suggest pay for the entire thing. Have them have them pay some of it so they understand what a dollar is, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how wealthy you are. And so, uh, you know, there are so many things that that we can do, but it all starts with communicating and asking questions and bringing bringing the kids you know at dinner time that's a dinner time you know there's certain times that are are just super super special for parents and teens and children that's first thing in the morning first thing at the night at night and meal time dinner time usually yeah. it's so so important parents that it is a loving positive conscious connection time and for those that may have different schedules for dinner why don't you plan one dinner where everyone has to be together even if that's a Sunday maybe for a big lunch and maybe yeah. if you have grandparents if you're lucky enough that the child has grandparents alive that they join in too and it gives a sense of what connection yeah. they're, they're dying to get this connection so Ruth we're coming up to the end before we go, I would like you to share one big takeaway that you want parents to, to leave with and one action item they could do today to start improving their relationship and communication with okay. their teens. Okay, perfect. So what I, the takeaway is parents, you're doing the best you can. We, you know, this did not come with a guidebook to raise kids and teens, um, but you're doing the best you can with the limited knowledge you have, with the limited knowledge you have, with the blind spots that you have, because you're normal. <laughs> and, exactly. and the action step is for you to ask yourself, what can I do? What can I learn? Well, who can I connect with? Because it's my responsibility to learn the communication skills to open up 
to, to help my child open up and to me to listen. That's the combination. Mm-hmm. Me listening, them opening up, and the other action item is put down the phone and right now, right now, start conversations with your child and your teen. They won't have time for you because yeah. they don't want to hear you criticize them. They will not share with you because they're afraid you will criticize. But you have to remember, they want to connect with you. They so want to connect with you. They really do. And, and think of parents. Think of you parents. How many of you may not have a great relationship with a parent, but you would love to. You would love to be able to talk to them and tell them how you're feeling and be able to connect. You have that opportunity right now, today, with your teen. So take it. I love that. I love that. So Ruth, before we go, where can people find you? They can uh, go to my website, ruthkline.com, K-L-E-I-N. I have a website, but it's just forming, basically, where it says universalmom.org. And I lead classes um, online and for parents and children of all ages, well, starting 8 to 11, 12 to 14, 15 to 19. And, uh, and if you want to chat, um, maybe you want another idea on open communication, um, you can go to www.chatwithruthkline.com. And it's a complimentary 30-minute chat. And I'd love to to give you further clarity or maybe offer you another idea for your child. So um, don't be shy. I'm here. I'm here for a reason. I'm here to make an impact. And I'm here to make this a better world, starting with everyone's self-esteem and confidence. I love it. Thank you, Ruth. I'm so grateful you could join us today. It was great. You're great. You're great. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I appreciate you guys, too. If you found this episode enlightening, take a quick second to click the follow button, then forward it to a friend. If you want more information on how to best support your teens, you can download my 10 top tips for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, stay curious. Remember, there's always more to the story than what you see.